Lord Jesus Christ, you emptied yourself and became a man that we might become the sons of God. Grant that we might humble ourselves before you, seek your face, and know your will. To the glory of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Black Dwarf. The Black Dwarf. Not exactly a politically correct nickname, even in the fourth century. But that is what his enemies called Saint Athanasius. He was a dark-complexioned Egyptian man, small in stature, but a theological giant, who served as deacon and secretary to Bishop Alexander at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Athanasius continued to oppose the Arian heresy after succeeding Alexander as Bishop of Alexandria. The Nicene party, which Athanasius led, won the battle for orthodoxy at the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D., eight years after his death. Exiled from his see at least five times by various Roman emperors, Athanasius was credited for articulating the deity of Jesus Christ in his treatise, The Incarnation. In his writing, he argued that God, the Word of God, by his union with mankind, restored to fallen man the image of God. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus overcame death, the consequence of sin. It was Athanasius who said, there never was a time when he was not meaning that Jesus is eternally begotten of the Father, begotten, not made, not created, one God with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all time and before all time. Why should we care what this doctor of the church taught? Because he helped shape the way the church has thought about the Trinity and the person of Jesus Christ since the fourth century. The basis of Athanasius' defense of Orthodox Christianity is the Word of God written, the revelation of the living and life-giving Word of God. Nowhere is that orthodoxy more clearly stated than in the prologue of John's Gospel, which we just read. Turn with me, if you will, to John 1, 1 through 18. I have five brief points to make from the text of John's Gospel and from the theology of St. Athanasius. One, there never was a time when he was not. Verse 1 to 3 of today's Gospel reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Arius, the heretic, had argued that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed Son of God, but that he was created, made, not begotten, that Jesus was not of one substance with the Father. Arius nonetheless believed it was okay to worship the created Son, thus opening the door to polytheism and to pagan worship of that which is created. Athanasius refuted Arius. 
Jesus is, the, is one substance with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, one Almighty, begotten, not created, eternal and incomprehensible. In the words of the Athanasian Creed, such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Word of God, is God, the creator and sustainer of the universe. St. Paul affirms this truth in his epistle to the Colossians. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. There never was a time when he was not. Why is this important? What difference does it make if Jesus is a creature, not the creator, not co-equal with the Father? Aside from the fact that it would be pagan to worship anything or anyone created, the answer is found in the second point. Two, only he who is fully God has the power to save. Verse 4 and 5 of today's gospel reads, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Only the true God has life in himself. Only he can give life. Only he can create. Only he can recreate. The salvation of man requires a new creation because of man's fallen nature. Sin is disintegration that leads to destruction that can only be corrected by a new creation. Therefore, the Savior of mankind must be fully God, of one substance with the Father. Jesus, the Word of God who is creator and sustainer, also orders and illuminates the universe. He and He alone, one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, shines the light of grace and truth into the darkness and brings about repentance from sin. Only he can redeem. Only he has the power to save. As St. Peter said to the elders of the Jews, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Only he who is fully God has the power to save. Why is that important? Why must the Savior be God? Why is there salvation in no other name? The answer is found in point number three. He came that we might become the children of God. Verse 9 to 13 of today's gospel reads, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the, the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Salvation is the restoration of the image of God in fallen mankind. It is the restoration of our relationship as the children of God. Jesus came into the world, into time and space. He came to his own, and his own rejected him. 
But to those who accepted him as Lord and Savior, he gave the right, the power, and the authority to become the children of God. But to, come, but to become the children of God, we must be born again. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We must be born again of the Holy Spirit. In his dialogue with Nicodemus, Jesus will say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The Spirit, like the wind, is invisible. But like the wind, there will be evidence of the Spirit's moving. You hear the rustle of the bushes. You see the movement. The wind and the Spirit have great effect, great power, the power to give new birth, the power to make one a child of God. Another ancient heresy was called adoptionism. Its proponents argued that Jesus was born a man and at his baptism was adopted as a son of God. Athanasius argued that Jesus was eternally the Son of God. He became a man that the image of God might be restored in us. It is mankind that may be adopted as sons and daughters of God. Paul wrote to the Roman church, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Point number three, he came that we might become the children of God. Athanasius also argued that he who was truly and fully God was also truly and fully man. Why is that important? Why must the Savior be a man? Look at point number four. Only he who is fully human could atone for the sins of man. Verse 14 of today's gospel reads, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Man sinned. Man must pay the price for his sin. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, took on human flesh, the flesh of Mary, his mother, in order to redeem mankind, to pay the price man alone must pay. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. To make propitiation means to satisfy the just wrath of God against the sins of man. To do so required the word of God become a man, incarnate, made flesh of the Virgin Mary. There's a story about a farmer who was an unbeliever. One Christmas Eve, his family was at church, and a sudden storm struck his farm. The storm was severe, the winds were strong, the snow was falling fast and heavy. 
his chickens were in the barn loft, and he tried to scurry them into the barn to protect them from the storm. But they fluttered and hopped all around, first in one direction, then in another. The farmer was becoming frustrated, and his efforts seemed futile. Then he said to himself, If only I were a chicken, I could lead them to safety inside the barn. All of a sudden, the incarnation made sense. He ran to his pickup and raced off through the storm to join his family at church. Man sinned. Man must pay the price of sin. Jesus was incarnate, made man that he might be the perfect, unblemished sacrifice for the sins of the world. No other man could do it. No other was worthy to die for the sins, for our sins. The spotless lamb was both priest and victim in the atoning sacrifice. To the Galatian church, Paul wrote, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Point number four, only he who is fully human could atone for the sins of man. Jesus became a man, full of grace and truth, and in him we see the glory of the Father, the revelation of God's love. That brings us at last to point number five. He came to show us the Father. Verses 16 to 18 read, And from his fullness we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. And what does it mean, grace upon grace? Grace means unferreted favor. From the fullness of his Godhead, from the fullness of his manhood, we have received unmerited favor upon unmerited favor, undeserved yet lavished upon us, the never-failing love of the Father. The law was given as a guardian to show us how we ought to live and to reveal our failure, our sinful nature. The love of God and the truth which sets us free came through Jesus Christ. The final verse was, is often translated, No one has ever seen God, the only Son who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. But the best texts do not have the Greek word for son but rather the word for God. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. The emphasis is that Jesus is fully God, who sits at the right hand of the Father. He came into the world to reveal to us the very nature of God. As Paul wrote to the Colossians, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He came to show us the Father. This then is the teaching of St. Athanasius. There never was a time when he was not. Only he who is fully God has the power to save. He came that we might become the children of God. 
Only he is fully, who is fully human could atone for the sins of man. He came to show us the Father. Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, the architect of the English Reformation, agrees with St. Athanasius. Writing in Article 2 of the 39 Articles of Religion, Cranmer says, <clears throat> The Son, which is the Word of the Father, begotten from everlasting of the Father, the very and eternal God, of one substance with the Father, took man's nature in the womb of the Blessed Virgin, of her substance, so that two whole and perfect natures, that is to say the Godhead and manhood, were joined together in one person, never to be divided, whereof is one Christ, very God and very man, who truly suffered, was crucified, dead, and buried, to reconcile his Father to us, and to be a sacrifice, not only for original sin, but also for actual sins of man. That's Article 2 of the 39 Articles. This is the finding of the historic councils of the church. This is orthodox Christian faith. No one said it more simply than St. Paul. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let us begin the new year grounded in the teaching of Holy Scripture. Grounded in the historic faith of the church. Grounded in relationship to God the Father through the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Beloved, are you a child of God? Have you received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? If not, there is no time like the present. As you come to the table today, make it your prayerful commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Receive him by faith, and he will receive you. Let's pray together.